Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion for Memorial Day, May 28th. 2018. It's hard to believe we're right at the end of May. This week we're going to get into June already, uh, and before you know it, we're all going to be out watching fireworks. We'll blink twice, and it'll be fireworks day, and then everybody will be whining because it's Labor Day and summer is over, and that'll be after four blinks. That's how fast the time seems to be going. I know. I'll be whining because I'm already missing the first two weeks of warm weather. But uh, anyway, I want to welcome everybody to the call. Uh, When you come on this call, you are unmuted. I ask everybody to mute yourself using star six or that's a toggling feature. You hit star six, it'll mute you. You hit star six again, it'll unmute you or use a mute button on your phone that you have. But please stay muted until uh, uh, I call on you to uh, bring up your question or comment. That way we have a a quiet call and people can understand what's being said. We don't have interference with people talking over each other. At least we try to avoid that because these are educational calls. The whole idea is we want to have a a situation where uh, people can learn from these calls. This is about all of us coming back to community and helping each other. It is not about some of us being really awful smart and knowing everything that there is to know out there because Nobody here is an expert. Uh, We have the moderators, John, Terry, myself, who all litigate in federal court. We all have uh, fairly substantial experience litigating in federal court, but please understand that doesn't mean we're experts by any stretch of the imagination. We don't hold ourselves out to be. And if we know the answer to a question, we'll tell you what our opinion is. We don't ever give advice. We... uh, We give our opinion on whatever situation you might be talking about. And the way we state that opinion is like if we say, well, you want to do this or you want to do that, please understand that the context of that is we are speaking about what we would do if we were in a situation like yours, in your shoes, or in a, a situation similar to yours. Please understand the context of how we speak and, and what we say on this call. But again, we're not experts. We don't hold ourselves out to be that. Um, We always start with good news, and the reason we do that is because we want to hear the good things that are happening to people. Uh, That can be a multitude of different things. You know, there's plenty of bad news out there. Nobody needs to stretch very far to find any of that. In fact, all you got to do is turn the TV on for about six seconds, and you'll find some of that fake news or or, or, uh, bad news mostly fake news. So uh, anyway, if anybody has any good news, all you have to do is speak up. You do not have to hit star eight. That's how you put yourself in the queue to ask a question or make a comment. You you use star eight on the keypad on your phone to do that. But uh, for good news, all you have to do is speak up. So if anybody's got any good news, let's hear it. Well, I don't have any legal good news because I'm uh, waiting on, of course, Equifax has the motion to dismiss, um, waiting for a ruling on the court. I settled with the other two, so I'm waiting on checks. And uh, so there's no stupid lawyer moments, but I would like to share <laughs> something different. Um, the most absurd, ridiculous, stupid headline 
I think I've ever seen in my life. It would be absolutely hilarious if it wasn't true. But this headline came into my email earlier, and at first I laughed, and then I thought, wait a minute. And I went and read the the article, and it was real. But still, this is so absurd. And Dave and I have agreed for a long time now that there, today there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that is too absurd to be true. And here's the headline. Violent vegans are terrorizing butchers in the British countryside. <laughs> I, that was my reaction. But I read the article, and it's true. Oh, it doesn't spoil well, that I would say that's good news. <laughs> oh, hell no. It's, you know. Uh, you know, I tell you what. Everybody is entitled to what they believe. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. Everybody is entitled to their lifestyle, as long as you are not, you know, infringing on somebody else's. Right, as long but, as you're not out there trying to impose it on others who aren't interested. Right. And me personally... If I was told that I would have to live the rest of my life on vegetables, I'd rather be dead because there isn't two of them I like enough to eat every single day. But if I was told all I could have for the rest of my life is meat, I'd go for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and and that's me and I'm entitled to that. But uh it, you know, I, I Vegans terrorizing butchers. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm in the, yeah, I'm in the middle there because I, uh, uh, you know, I I like vegetables and I like meat. So I eat them because I, I have to because they're good for me, yeah. and that's the only reason. And even then, most of them I won't touch. But yeah. you know, green beans, yeah, <laughs> I can go for that. But that's yeah. it. All right, well, does anybody else have any good news for us tonight? If you do, go ahead and speak up. Otherwise, we will go to any questions that uh, we have tonight. Uh, you know, And I don't know how long the call will be tonight. We don't have a big crowd yet, but we are always here on Monday nights, as everybody knows. Haven't missed a, a Monday night in uh, almost nine years. So uh, if you have... Uh, uh, questions, hit star 8 on the keypad in your phone. That will put you in the queue. And we will take your uh, questions in the order that uh, that we see you in the queue. And we have somebody from southwest Michigan in the queue. And you're unmuted for your question. Go ahead. Hi. Um Still, I got to turn in my. Uh, got a couple of days left to turn in my um, my memorandum in opposition to Equifax motion to dismiss. So I just had a um, a question here about uh, a couple of laws here or statutes, the 1681AF, which is uh, you know the definition of a CRA. But there's there's another definition that is 1681AP which is mentioned in the um in as what the definition of a CRA is 
And the 1681 AP is within the body of, is mentioned in 1681 X. Yes, that's where they can't. See, the whole thing, you, you need to get focused on what the issue is with whether or not Equifax Inc. is a CRA. Now, first of all, the CFPB says they are. Congress says they are, okay? They have decided to treat them as they are. But But the real issue is how do they operate? Do they operate? As a CA, as a, a CRA, that's where your argument is. And when you look at my opposition to to their motion and Dave's opposition to their motion, our situations are slightly different, but um, our arguments are very much the same. And that's what the secret is. It doesn't matter what they claim to be um, uh, structured as. Okay, what matters is how they operate. Now, they absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, do operate as a CRA. CFPB has recognized that. Congress has recognized that. And other lawsuits. And King, King other and Spalding has recognized it, too. <laughs> exactly, in their letter. Now, yep. however, their corporate structure has been set up to avoid being treated as a CRA. But isn't that exactly what 1681X prohibits expressly? Yes. There's your your whole ball of wax. So within 1681X, they use the definition of a CRA as 1681AP. So I just adopted that definition within my complaint because it ties directly back into 1681 uh, AF uh, or whatever it was. Uh, 1681X. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, they, they are so prohibited. I, and they're pretty much the same. They're pretty much, they're very similar, the definitions of the CRAs in the two places. So I right. was just wondering. Well, because basically X, simply says that any company is prohibited from structuring itself in such a way as to escape liability for violations of the statute which governs their operations. That's what it means. Right, and that's exactly the way they've structured themselves. So they're in, in blatant violation of it when you read 1681X. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I was going to just, it's just, that's a little thing. I was just going to go with 1681AP because that's within the, that, that's what they <laughs> talked about in 1681X. Um, I just think it relates more to my claim, but. Right. And it's kind of, you know, if, 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 if I were the court, if I were a judge, and I was to look at that letter written by their own law, their own right. representative law firm, yeah. um, referring to them as a CRA. I, I really think the argument would be over at that point. 
You would think, yeah. Yeah, I or mean. Or the CFPB, the stipulation, the. Uh, and the Congress's the, letter. The I mean. Order, the stipulation, you're just like, man, I mean, what what more do I need to put in this, uh, this memorandum in my complaint? I mean, yeah. They've been getting away with it for a yeah. long time. And the case laws that they cite when you and it's always the same ones you've got the same ones dave's got the same ones i do we all do in in regard to equifax's defense yeah they they cite the same case law and every single one of them was either a really stupid attorney or a a pro se that didn't argue didn't even present the opposite Stand on now. Wait a minute. They are operating as a CRA and and present that evidence to the court. So yeah, they got they got case law, which is just about as good as a default judgment when somebody doesn't show up. The strength of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it for me. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's go to guest six. I need to mute you and unmute you to get you out of the queue. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Dave and Terry. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have um, – this is Jack in Northern California. I have um, a few quick questions. I believe I even have a stupid lawyer moment. Oh, so, hey, we always love those. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Um, I was, I, this is the first time in a long, in a, quite a few months I've been able to actually be on a call, but I always download them and listen to them all day at work. And I believe, oh, wow, get paid for listening to the calls. That's pretty cool. No less than three hours a day. I could just saturate oh, myself wow. every day. Oh, wow. Man. And, um, yeah, sometimes I'll get through two or three calls. Call. <laughs> I didn't get my last name. Um, <laughs> or where he works, right? Yeah. Um, but I was listening to a call. I believe it took place a month or two ago, and I think it was Larry. Maybe um, he said that when he got a settlement agreement, they also sent him his credit report. That was attorney. me. Oh, you? That, that was, was you. Dave. Um, and so it got me thinking, and I remember because I just I filed. Um, a 1681 IA and S2B last July against Equifax and a debt collector. And in February, January or February of this year, the attorney for the debt collector emailed me and said that they had it removed because what eventually I ended up doing is I ended up just paying, it was a $30 debt. And I remember when I called in one time, Dave, you told me that if I paid it, it would just come completely off and they had already committed the violations and so I just paid it to get it off of there and they um so it so was they, just it was a trade line that that you disputed yes yes okay and so it, it it was removed and so that had nothing to do with the lawsuit that I filed and so in February of this year the attorney sent me an email saying that it had been removed and just et cetera, et cetera. They could prove that it was removed and everything else, which I already knew. And I wasn't, that wasn't even part of anything relevant. And he said that he could send me a copy of my credit report to show, to prove it. 
And so I never, I never thought anything about it until last week when I heard those calls, because you guys talked about it on a few of the calls um, recently. And I remembered that. And so <laughs> since then they gave it to another attorney in the same company. Oh. This was just like two weeks ago. They well, they they put him in charge of it, is what I mean. So he's the one that's now communicating with me. And so I emailed him last week, and I said, uh, I said, hey, back in February, you, one of your um, colleagues um, offered to send me a, um, a copy of the of my credit report showing that it had been removed. Would you mind just sending me that so I have it? And he sent it to me the next day, a copy of my credit file. So just as of last Thursday, I believe it was. So he emailed me a copy of my credit file. Uh, okay. Uh, now, now I, I got a real specific question yeah. okay. to ask you. And Terry knows where I'm going here. Yep. Okay. When they, when you had this discussion way back once upon a time about him saying, well, I can send you that. Did yes. you tell him okay? I didn't. I, I didn't say anything. Because if you said okay, then you gave him consent. Oh no! No, I didn't say. I didn't say okay. Send it to me. I just believe I didn't say anything because I didn't think that it was even relevant at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I did ask if he could send it to me because what I'd said this time is I I emailed the first guy that said he could send it to me, and I just said, hey, back in February, you offered to send me that. Can you send me that? So do you think that was me giving him permission? Yeah, if you do that, you gave him consent. Oh, okay then. So basically he would have just had to send it to me without yeah. me asking. See, you're, you're in kind of a, a strange situation there. Because it, was it the report that was from way back then? Did it have that date on it, or was it a current, currently dated report? Well, the one that he sent me last week was current. Oh, from like from like two. It was from like the twenty fifth of this month. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, but see, you asked him to send it to you. Yeah. So okay. that's going to be that's going to be construed as consent. Exactly, because if you hadn't done that, he did not have a permissible purpose at all. Right. If if you had not given him consent initially, way back, yes, and they pulled it, and then if he had sent you a copy of that, you would have had evidence in hand. Or even if he had said to you, well, I have a copy you know, if he's saying to you on the phone or mm-hmm. email, I have a copy of your credit report. If you said, send that to me, that would not be the same as giving consent for him to have pulled it. Right. That you, would you, be asking for the evidence so you can sue his butt. For right. And, and see, that would have reflected back and would have been dated previously when he did not have consent. But okay. see, when, when you asked this guy to send you a copy of it, you you gave him permission. You gave him consent. okay. So even though I said that the other attorney told me in February, and then that he could send it to me, and then I asked him to send me that, that was giving consent. 
Yeah. Well, it, if you it try to go after him on that, the court's going to construe that as okay. you giving him consent. Well, you asked him to give it to you. He had to go get it to give it to right. you. Right. That's what the court okay. was going to say. But you were assuming he you. was going to give you a copy of the one that they got before instead of giving you a new one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is what I assumed. Yeah, I so I, I think, I, I think no, no. you kind of got yourself in a no-go situation there. Okay. I, I, let's put it this way. I, I would not bring any litigation on that because I, I think you'd come out in the short end of the stick. I think the okay. look at that and so go, you know, hey, uh, you, you oh. asked him for it, so he gave it to you, so what are you complaining about? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, that's good, though, that you told me because I was actually, that was going to be the next one that I went after. So yeah. No, no go on that. Okay, yeah. then. Well, um, it's, it's, we, we, we live and learn sometimes, don't we? Yes, you whenever you're de- whenever you're talking about somebody getting a credit report, and this is for everybody's benefit that listens to this recording, be very careful what you say. Let them talk. Don't you talk? You know, and they they say, "Well, I'm gonna, you know, well, I'm gonna send you a copy of your credit report." You notice their silence there. I didn't say anything. You know, if they want to do that, am I? Did I say anything? Did I give them consent in any possible way? Is there any possible way that I could have given them consent if I didn't say anything? No. I guess I could have just asked, "Hey, do you have a copy of that report?" Yeah, that, that would have been a, that would have been a better way to do it. But the fact okay. that you asked them, "Can you send me a credit report, uh, a copy of the?" Uh, my credit yeah. report. Yeah. You Okay. Yeah, you you got yourself on real, real thin ice there and Gotcha. Uh, nope, understood. Um yep. so I have a couple questions. Oh. I have a okay. I have a whoever's uh, making that noise in the background, could you please mute for the moment until we finish this conversation? Go ahead. Um I have a settlement conference tomorrow with Equifax and the debt collector. And Basically, they sent me their um, it's the uh, their exchanged settlement conference statement, and so they're saying uh, they're giving me all the reasons why I'm in the wrong, basically. Um, and one of them, the one for the attorney for the debt collector, is saying that I don't have any concrete injury, so I lack Article Three standing under Spokio. No, uh, that's what I thought. No. <laughs> um, any, I mean, any suggestions like a response to that? And that, I'm just, I just the response to that is that uh, Spokio, all it did was uh, there was no ruling. See, this is this is how Spokio has been misconstrued. Everybody mm. thinks Spokio was a ruling. No, all it was is a remand back to the Eleventh Circuit, or excuse me, the Ninth Circuit. Okay. Okay, and that's your circuit. Yes. Okay. It was remanded back, and then for uh, to uh, clarify, because the Eleventh Circuit, or excuse me, I keep wanting to say the Eleventh, the Ninth Circuit had not uh, uh, considered a couple of items. So when it was remanded back, the Ninth Circuit said. Okay, we're taking these things into consideration. We're ruling the same way. So Spokio, 
and and it's right in your circuit. It went yeah. bye bye. You know, Spokio means nothing. <laughs> okay. Because the Spokio case was out of the Ninth Circuit, and it, there was no ruling by the Supreme Court. It was a remand back to the circuit court to properly make the decision. And clarify. And clarify. And they did. And it was against Spokio. So <laughs> oh, good. All you have to do is say with particularity specifically what your damages are and you have standing. Okay. Now if you didn't do that, of course you wouldn't have standing. Yeah. Well you that wanna was- make your yeah, you wanna make your argument to, to the court that, you know, uh well, guess what? Okay, you're bringing up Spokio. Spokio ruling or the uh, Spokio case at the Supreme Court. There was no ruling, other than the fact that the, the Ninth Circuit failed to consider a couple things. So it was remanded back for them to properly make the decision, which they then did, and still ruled against Spokio. There you okay. go, and that's all you need. Okay, so they're, 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 it's a false argument. Yeah. Because it's Donald no, from I making understand. it, but, <laughs> you know, and um, it, Dave and I have talked about it, and it, the same sort of thing is going to happen with the TCPA now in the recent uh, D.C. stuff. Yeah, the D.C. circuit saying, oh, well, you know, they, the FCC screwed up on the 2015 omnibus ruling and everything. Well, now everybody is is uh, trying to argue that the D.C. Circuit negated the definition of ATDS all the way back to 2003. No, the only, the only thing that was being considered by the D.C. Circuit and the only thing that the D.C. Circuit had the purview to review was the 2015 omnibus FCC ruling. The the prior rulings, 2003 and 2008, were never, there was never a challenge brought up under the Hobbs Act, and the D.C. Circuit had absolutely no jurisdiction whatsoever to uh, make any rulings uh, on, on that mm-hmm. stuff. So the definition of all dialer is absolutely in place until something goes forward and changes it in some way. But, okay. you know, you got all these clowns out there now that are jumping up. Oh, yeah, they overturned it. You know, we're not using AT. Oh, no, no, no. But <laughs> this is the way the legal profession works, guys. And there's right. actually a court. Unfortunately, there's actually an idiot judge in Arizona that ruled that way. A district court judge just in the last several weeks ruled that way. Now, will that guy ever make it to a circuit court making rulings like that? No, because he's an idiot. And there's other cases where the judges uh, have been, you know, on top of things. They actually understand what the Hobbs Act is and, and what it covers and what it doesn't. And there have been other rulings that say, hey, <laughs> you know, you the D.C. Circuit didn't have any purview to go back to 2003 and 2008 and anything prior to the 2015 ruling. That's the only thing that was challenged. And when right. you look at the stuff 
the the language of the ruling that's very clear. And all these attorneys, okay, make no mistake, they're not idiots. They -hmm. know very well that that means zero, zip, not a nothing, okay? But they're going to roll the dice and bet that you don't understand that it means Mm -hmm. nothing. You know, don't think for a minute that they don't know better because they do. Right. And and if you want to understand more of that type of stuff, I did a webinar uh, a week ago last Wednesday uh, on that specific stuff. The uh, the uh, Wednesday webinar uh, was done on the TCPA uh, and talking about the ruling, and there was a uh, document to download with that that was produced by NCLC, the National Consumer Law Center, that had a whole complete review. I went through and read a bunch of that, and we discussed some of that, and they pointed out very clearly how that stuff doesn't go back. There's case law supporting it and everything else. So, Okay. No, that's but, actually wonderful. Yeah, but Spokio, Spokio didn't turn out to be what everybody made it out to be in the beginning, and it's, it's the same thing with DC. Yeah, he used it like six or seven times in his... Yeah. Well, and and for somebody that doesn't understand what happened, well, you'd think, oh, well, I guess I'm screwed, you know, Spokio. Right. Well, no. Now, what you want to do is you want to go and do your research about, you know, what the uh, Ninth Circuit did when that was remanded back to them and how they ruled. Okay. Get a a copy to be able to make that, uh, that argument there. Actually, I just bought a, a a book on Amazon. It's called Contemporary Decisions of 2017 Fair Credit Reporting Act. I think it was like 30 bucks, but it's a whole book with a bunch of decisions from each, or there's probably like eight or nine decisions from each circuit, but that's in there. Okay. And that's, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Um, my, my last question, in, in, in regards to this lawsuit, Basically, they they started reporting a debt back in like 2012, I believe, the debt collector, for thirty dollars. And so then in 2000, and I I've sent them debt validation letters, a, a couple per year because this was even prior to me being a member of the website. Mm-hmm. So I sent them all kinds of stuff. And then, um, when I pulled my credit report in 2016, August 2016, the amount was $37. So is am I understanding correct that when the amount changes, you can send another debt validation and they have to validate how the new amount was calculated? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's perfect, because that's the thing that he's not – he didn't acknowledge at all in his 12-page response uh, here, and they, the one thing he didn't acknowledge at all was the fact that in my complaint, I'm basically alleging that they didn't provide, because when I sent him the debt validation in 2016, when I got my credit report, and I have the $37 on there, yeah. from the 30 to the 37 I sent him a debt validation, and that's when I sent the dispute to the CRA as well. That's mm-hmm. when I sent all that out. And they're saying that I am past the statute of limitations because I've known about it since 2012, et cetera. And so my, in my lawsuit, I said that in 2016, I became aware 
that the debt was $37. And when I sent them the debt validation, they never responded at all. There you go. They, con- they continued to do report. And then in June of 2018, so 10 months later, it went up to $47. And so now in the meantime, over that 10 months, I sent like another five dispute letters to the CRAs. Um, but I, I don't even know really why I did that. I was just, yeah, you, I mean, you know, you don't need to send a, a bunch of them, but, um, I mean, okay, if, no, if you send a demand for validation, they don't validate it. They have a problem, don't they? They can't just the say thing. you owe this and then right. you owe this and then you owe this. And it's like, really? <laughs> and that's the one thing that he failed or refused. He didn't mention at all was the amounts that I that, that, that well, the whole suit is based conf- off of that. Conveniently, basically. you think? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the, what, what I was telling my wife is I said he went through 11, 10, 11 pages here, and if it was really cut and dry, it took him, you know, half of that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Without yeah. Without all the explanation and the regurgitation of Spokio 15 times. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, I just wanted to call in and get some of that clarified because I'm going in tomorrow and I don't want to go in completely uh, just, you know, so nervous that I don't I can't even think right. So this is uh, don't don't be nervous. They, they they put their clothes on the same way we all do. Yeah, really. I, I've I've been I've been in the federal courtroom twice in the last six weeks now. First times that I, the first two times I've ever had to do this in seven years of litigation. I was perfectly comfortable there. I was just fine. They didn't eat me. They didn't, you know, the judge didn't pull a gun out and point it at me and say, you know, you're just a miserable pro se. What are you doing? No. No, and the fact that the judge was very nice. The last time, she kind of gave me a compliment when I was oh, there great. last week. She, uh, because she was talking about, you know, this was a different case, and, and she was talking about she likes to have these status conferences every uh, 60 to 90 days, and she says, uh, you know, I, I like to, normally we do these by telephone so uh, everybody doesn't have to drive up here to the court, you know, because the, the court is 65 miles north of the Metroplex here. It's in a small town north of mm-hmm. here. And uh, she says, now, Mr. Mack, I, I, I see from looking at things that you seem to be quite familiar uh, <laughs> with uh uh, court procedures and processes and everything. So, would you have any objection to uh, having a telephone conference as opposed to coming here? And I said, No, Your Honor, that would be just fine with me. So, see, she she gave me some recognition that yeah, you know, she's looked at my stuff and she she sees that I I have a pretty good idea of what I'm doing. And I follow the rules. Okay. In fact, when when I got there, I, I walked into the court and before things got started, and the, her judicial assistant was there. And of course, I recognized him from the the first time I was there. And he immediately came over and, and uh, stuck his hand out, shake my hand, and he says, "Well, hey, Mr. Mack, how are you?" Huh. Well, so, that's cool. well, yeah. See, they I, I had a conversation with him. And I got a compliment from him the first time I was there because we were talking about things. And I said, well, I, I won't go into all of it, but he, I, I said, you know, I, I make every effort to uh, go by the rules. He says, yes. He says, you are very good at following the rules. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got recognition from him. They they do recognize that because 
you know, 99% of pro sites don't. That's what, right. you know, you, you want to do that. So as long as you're following the rules and, and you know your games, don't be nervous. Just yeah. just go in there and make your best argument, and and then that's all you can do. But don't let them okay. intimidate you. No, you're right. Thank you guys very much. And I should uh, I should be on a call Thursday with some good news then. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, we'll love to yeah, hear that. Hopefully. I plan on, no matter what, for the most part, I mean, unless they come in with a couple hundred bucks, I mean, I plan on tomorrow ending the whole thing because I really oh. don't care to keep pushing it forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, yep. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys again for everything All right. Um, well, good luck tomorrow. You, do. you know, go okay. do your thing thank and you. make your arguments. I will. Thank you, Dave and Terry. Here. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Okay, if anybody has a question or a comment they want to bring up, hit star 8 on the keypad on your phone. That's going to put you in the queue. And we have another hand up. You are unmuted, Central Coastal California. Okay, that's me. All right, yeah. Um, well, I'm new to the process, and I I uh, want to know if there's anything that you could do to get a dismissed bankruptcy Chapter 13 off your credit report or from affecting your credit report. Um, I don't know, Terry. Uh I don't think there's much of anything you can no. do. No. Uh, the other stuff, the judgments and liens and stuff, uh, they're not even reporting. They changed that on uh, July of last year. But, oh, the uh, judgments and liens are not, no longer on the credit report. Okay, yeah, the judgments and liens and stuff, they, they, well, they for the basically most part, that was voluntary on the part of the CRAs. Right, and they're not really... They did say that, that they weren't going to do it anymore, but they are still doing it in some cases. In some cases, yes. We've heard yeah. some, cases. some cases. Okay. But well, let me, that I, doesn't... I'm, I'm kind of new, so I just want to, I want to ask a few questions. CRA stands for what? Consumer Reporting Agency. Not a credit reporting agency, a consumer reporting agency. Because okay. that's what they are. A lot of people make the mistake and call them credit reporting agencies. Of course. So is there any rule that they can't deny deny you credit because you don't have enough credit history, or is that okay? No, there's no there's no rules on uh, who has to. They, anybody can deny you credit for any reason they want because it's their money and they're loaning it. And right. if, if they don't like okay. you for whatever reason... You know, you you don't get to say. Okay, all right. So there's nothing that can be done about the bankruptcy, and there's and there's nothing that can be done about the lack of credit history. Um, the, on on the credit history stuff, one of the things if you just don't have much of anything, uh, and and if there's a recent bankruptcy, one of the best things you can do to start reestablishing credit. And, and actually, uh, it's a good thing to do if you do file bankruptcy because you can go ahead and, and what I'm about to tell you, you can do that right away. Get yourself a secured credit card where you put up money. You know, like you, you can get secured uh, yeah, uh, credit cards where you put up 
two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. At Walmart, <laughs> I have one. <laughs> well, but I don't. I don't know if the, the things at Walmart uh, yes. will be reported or not. Yeah, yeah, they are, Dave. If um, depending on what your your history is and what you use it for, I never use it as a credit card, but I could. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, what is it? Green Dot Bank. It, it started out being. Uh, uh, oh, first it was that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those. I've never seen those on the credit reports. I've been using yeah, them. it, it depends well, on what you, how you use it and what you use it for. Yeah, you you can go online and you can Google uh, a secured credit card, and you can go and read. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different ones. Some of them aren't near as good as others, but what you want to look for is to make sure that if you get one, that they state that they do report to the CRAs. Right, ask them. Okay. Yeah, well, most, okay, of, them, most of them, when you go and look online, they're, they're, you'll find a whole listing of them. And okay. uh, most of them will tell you right there, we report to CRAs. But if there's any question or doubt about it, ask them. Because the whole idea of doing that is so that you can start building credit. And then, of course, you know, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Make sure you make your payments on time. You know, you right. don't have to charge a lot, but you know, you charge a tank of gas eighteen, twenty, thirty dollars, and then pay it. Okay. You know, that's uh, how you can start establishing credit. Yeah. Okay. And I was gonna uh, just forgetting this question here. I was gonna ask if there was any legal rulings out there on. Um, I blanked out on this question. I was holding on to it. Um, I know about those brain cramps. I have those too. Yeah. Me too. It's the cell phone. (laughs) Regularly. Um, Yeah. Well, okay. So so really, um, when you're trying to get a fresh start on credit, the validation letters, is is there a form for that? Should you send it out on all of them? And and if you've got a medical medical bills on your credit report that, you know, is there any way to kind of get rid of those if you couldn't afford to pay them in the first place by going back to the hospital and saying you should write me off as a person well, who can't afford to you, you, any time that you have something on your credit report, uh, you want to dispute it. I'll let Terry explain that process. Okay. Yeah. You, you you always want to dispute it. Um, however, with medical bills, nine times out of ten, they absolutely can validate it because unlike banks and lending institutions, they keep pretty good records uh, for medical bills. And so if they can come up with uh, validation and verification to the penny of what you owe, then it's not going to do you any good to argue. Oh, okay. Okay, I remembered my question. Has anybody come up? I was in a situation where I was forced to file bankruptcy to try to save an asset from being stolen. And what I want to know, and I'm, I'm in the process of doing the default, the damage prove up is is there any cases out there that 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 quantify the value of what what damage is worth if you're forced 
to file bankruptcy. What that does to you as far as your income, your employability, your ability not get a mortgage, not get credit, not well, get Well, I don't think you're going to have any standing there because the decision to file bankruptcy is exactly that, your decision. That's nobody, your choice. Nobody forces you to do it. You may be you may have been forced into a situation where you you felt you had to make that decision, but nobody held a gun to your head and said file bankruptcy. So you can't sue somebody for those damages. You can't. No. no. Okay, well I no, need to that's a voluntary decision on your part. Yep. You know, it does yeah. it doesn't matter how how coerced you felt or what the circumstances were. It was still a voluntary choice of yours. You know, you you had to make the choice and fill out the paperwork and submit it to the court and everything for that to happen. And also, one time there was something where I owed Wells Fargo something for a, I don't know, on a credit line or a loan or credit card or something, and I ran down with the money to pay them based on the fact that the guy would take it off my credit report. And of course, I never checked to see. I just assumed he would do it because we had a settlement agreement and he never took it off there. Do you have a copy of the settlement agreement where it says they would do that? Oh God, who knows where that is. Yeah, see that's 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 one of the important things. Um, you know, if you have a uh binding agreement, you know, if you have a copy of that where they stated, you know, that if you pay this uh, they will remove it. And what I did years ago before I got married the last time, which was a big mistake, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the biggest mistake of my life. Um, but what I did, I, my uh, uh, wife-to-be at that time had credit issues. Be, you know, Part of it was because of her uh, uh, ex-husband and stuff. But I negotiated a deal. Uh, and hers was with Bank One before that ever became part of J.P. Morgan Chase. This is like 26 years ago, 25, 26 years ago. Um, what I did is, and, and this is an old trick. It's a very simple trick. When you are arranging to settle a debt with a bank or something like that, or anybody for that matter, it doesn't matter whether it's a medical debt or anything. Uh, and in her deal there, I think it was like, 2000 and some dollars, and I worked an arrangement to settle it for $1,000. It was reduced down, but it was on the condition that they would report it to the CRA as paid as agreed. And the reason, wow. you, want to do, you, the reason you want to do that, and I told them, I said, it, it has to be in writing, okay? And this was really before there was much going on with email and stuff like that. You could get that kind of stuff done uh, via email today, so you've got proof for court. There, there's a very good reason to do that, because what you end up doing is you turn a negative into a positive in your credit file. Right. Yeah. You take, you take a debt, a collection debt, or you know negative, it's past due or whatever, and... You know, hey, I'll pay you. You know, okay, we've agreed. I'll pay you, to, uh, you know, a thousand dollars. Great. But in addition to that, I want it. I want you to report to the CRAs that it is paid as agreed. Now you got to stop and think. 
they're getting their money. Do they give a damn what's in your credit report? No. No. They'll do that for you. Person but that'll say, "I can't do that because it's not true." But if you make a settlement agreement, it is true for the settlement. Well, agreement. well, exactly. It's you know, if if you agreed on a thousand dollars, it doesn't matter if the the original debt was fifty million. If you agree to settle it for a thousand dollars, they can report it. As paid as agreed, exactly. Okay, but the, so the, the whole the whole point of it here is is two things. One, you're turning a negative to a positive. But the most important part is get it in writing, and then make sure that you don't lose that evidence, so that right. you can enforce it. Right. Okay. So basically, on anything that can be validated, like a medical bill, you can deal with it. And, and the rest of them you should dispute. So can you get, run me through the process of disputing? Well, it's it's a little more complicated than just say A, B, C, D. But if you're a member of the website, you need to go through. I did two webinar series on exactly how to get your credit cleaned up and do the dispute process. There are examples for the letters you need to write and exactly how to follow step by step. That's uh, what lies um, what lies in your credit report and cleaning up your credit. There's two webinar series in there that I did. And you can get to the website. The website she's talking about. You all you got to do is open a browser and uh, uh, type in knockoutcollectors.net. That's T O R S collectors T O R S dot net. Now. Uh, it, it it's not a free site. Uh, it is a membership site, but there's more information there than you can uh, you could absorb. It it'd take you years to absorb everything that's in there. It's so comprehensive. Right, and if you need a partner uh, to share the cost of membership to that website, it's not Dave and I's website. We we no, it's not ours. It's, it. it's somebody else's. Um, we contribute to it, but uh, we don't own it and we don't control it. However, I am the kind of unofficial switchboard. So if you need someone to share the cost of membership with, you just send me an email to queensongbird at gmail.com, and I will hook you up with someone who has a membership and is willing to share. Yeah, and when you share it, the, the membership is $49 a month, so when you're sharing it, it's getting you down to twenty four fifty a month for access right. to it. And there's no commitment. It's not like if you get into it, you got to do it for you know a year or six months or anything like that. You know, if you okay. share, you know, you want to you you want to you know talk to whoever you might be sharing it with, and you know if you're thinking you're just going to do something for a shorter period of time, but that's something for you to work out with somebody else that you would share with. Okay, and when let me ask you this: Is there when you file a, a dispute? Can they keep on reporting the adverse thing, or do they have to quit reporting it until the dispute's resolved? No. Okay. The way it works when you file a dispute, they, uh, the CRA has 30 days to respond to your filing of that dispute, and they will respond if uh, – let me just give you the short how it happens – you dispute, the CRA sends notice of the dispute 
by an electronic form called an ACDV to the furnisher of that information that you're disputing. Then they've got 30 days to get an answer back from that furnisher as to whether it is verified or they were unable to verify it or whatever, okay? Then they must respond to you and give you the results of their investigation or reinvestigation, it's called for the CRAs, at the end of that 30 days, unless they send you a letter that says we've opened an investigation into your dispute and it will take us up to 45 days. That they can do. They don't usually, but they can do that. Now, if what you're disputing you know is factually incorrect, and I do not mean name, address, and stuff like that. that kind, those kind of uh, errors don't count. Okay, but things like the balance or whether it belongs to you or not or whether it was paid previously, those kind of things. If you know for a fact that what you're disputing is factually incorrect and they turn around and verify it and tell you they're not going to remove it, then you have a lawsuit against both the furnisher and the CRA for failure to investigate under different sections of the FCRA. Now, if, again, you know that there is information in that trade line, that's what it's called, the trade line, whatever it is you're disputing, if you know that that's factually uh, wrong and the furnisher fails to correct it when you dispute it, then you also have an FDCPA claim that's under a different statute because they are furnishing false information. And if you sent that furnisher a demand for validation, not verification, validation, and they failed to validate it, and then a month later reinserted that same false information back into your credit report, then they're on the hook for violating the FDCPA because for a collector to, or for anybody to try to collect a debt without validating it is an act of trying to collect. So they don't have to validate, but they can't do anything that falls under the, an attempt to collect. And uh, I can't remember which case it is, but there's a, I think it's uh, Arrow versus Purnell, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where the courts established that um, placing negative information in a consumer's a credit report is one of the most often used arrows in a debt collector's quiver. So it has been established that that is an attempt to collect. So that's why, like I said, there is so much information for you to learn, and you can't. Well, what what is the latest position on people getting 
foreclosure on their credit report when we all believe that the bank didn't make a loan in the first place. Well, the courts don't want to hear that. Yeah, the courts aren't going to entertain that. Okay. Yeah, the ju- the judge's retirement is invested in those mortgage-backed securities. Yeah, the judges themselves can tell you all you need to know about toxic derivatives, right, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, okay. that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the reality, and and we 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 deal with reality here. Okay, and my last question to you is um, when I hear people that offer services to enhance your credit, they talk about adding trade lines, that you add trade lines. Is that Mm -hmm. like adding credit history or credit worthiness? Yeah, actually actually what it does is they'll, they'll take a trade line that somebody else has established and tie it into your credit report so when somebody looks at your credit it's like oh well you know she's she's part of this this person's got a forty thousand dollar credit limit and they pay you know on time every month stuff like that it reflects on you even though you literally don't have anything to do about it that's that's a simplistic explanation of what they do and of course you know they charge you for that yeah i'm not even familiar with it because you know, I'm. I guess I'm just a little bit different. I have zero credit. Don't want any. Oh, don't owe anybody a single dime on planet Earth, and intend to stay that way. Yeah. Well, a, a good example of of that type of stuff. Um, I, I mentioned my ex-wife. Okay. I when I got married, she had credit issues. Her credit was crap. Uh, I cleaned up her credit, and then my credit was good. And she piggybacked on my credit. And she piggybacked on my Visa and my MasterCard. Is that the one who took off with the piggy bank? uh, Yeah, she took off with the piggy (laughs) bank, the house, her her paid-for Cadillac. Sorry, Dave, just clarifying. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, she piggybacked on my American Express. All right. Well, then over a period of time while we were married, she went and separated all these things. I, I helped establish her credit, and then uh, I, I left it up to her. To She took care of the paying the household bills and stuff, and, of course, when it came time where she popped up out of the middle of nowhere and filed for divorce, I still had balances on my cards, but all of hers were paid off. And she And, and she went from having lousy credit when we got married to when we got divorced. She held credit cards with zero balances on them, with eight, a total of $80,000 credit line. So she kind of did that to me. So anyway, that's how that works. Okay. Well, But, but not the way she did it. No, no. <laughs> no. No. Uh, that's just okay. a close-to-home example that I can give you on, on how it can work, though, you know. Could you visualize, uh, Dave, where you could ever – maybe have enough on the credit line side uh, to kind of overshadow the BK? Oh, yeah. Over time, you know, um, there's lots of people that end up filing bankruptcy, okay? See, bankruptcy creates finality with somebody that that puts people in a position where, okay, uh, this is, you know, anybody that looks at it knows exactly – where that 
individual is. All right. So then for that person to be considered for credit, uh, they start looking at what you're doing since the bankruptcy. And that's why I say one of the very first things after somebody files a BK is for somebody to go out and uh, uh, get themselves a secured credit card and, and start using it right away. I mean, literally, right, right and away. Then, and then after that, usually uh, <laughs> people can get credit easier yes. after having filed bankruptcy because they know you can't do it again for another 10 years. Right, exactly. That's for another exactly one, right. 10. Oh, oh, 10 years. Yeah, but is it, that's if you. Were, no, I think it's seven years, Terry. Well, it used to be if 10. you were dis, if you were discharged, if you dismissed it, it's a different deal, right? Right. Well, if you if you dismissed the the BK, then you didn't. There was no BK uh, discharge. There was a right. filing, but there was no discharge of the well, debt. That's that's what I have. I have two times where I filed BK in 2014 and 2000. Uh, 16, uh, I'm sorry, 17, um, and I filed BK, but then I dismissed it. So they're when they're turning me down for credit now, they're saying you had recent bankruptcies. You had bankruptcies. Well, but they're okay. dismissed. So now I, got, I, have, I have a question for you, a very specific question. Did you dismiss the bankruptcy? Or did the court dismiss the bankruptcy because you didn't follow through? Um, well, the one in 2014, I I think that was dismissed for failure to file paperwork. And okay. the one in 2017 that was the most recent one, I voluntarily dismissed it. Right. Well, here's the thing. When the court dismisses the bankruptcy, you, you're, you're not going to have a prayer on trying to get it removed. When you dismiss the bankruptcy, you may have a basis to make a good argument to get it off your uh, ah, okay. report. But, that, so but see, your, your situation is, is going to be uh, it, what's going to make yours more difficult is they see two of them on there. So trying to get that stuff off, um, I think, would be a, a very honestly a fruitless endeavor. I think your best bet is to just work to get your secured cards. You know, get one secured card, use it for a little bit, get another secured card. So you got two of them. And then, you know, after eight months or a year or something like that, then maybe you can go uh, to one of the uh, companies and get a unsecured card with maybe uh, maybe they'll give you one for a thousand dollars credit limit, and then you pay that good for six months, and then they'll kick your uh, credit limit up to you know twelve or fifteen hundred and stuff. And and of course, as I said before, the key to reestablishing is make sure that you never make a late payment. Always make sure you get your payments on time. Right. But trying to get the BK off of the the credit report, especially if you got two of them, uh, I think you'd have. I think that's a fruitless endeavor, and especially if the court dismissed the one in fourteen, because there's no way that one you could even have a prayer getting that one off. Well, if I can get the the newer one off, that's got to help. That, that I don't think I don't think it would have much effect, to be honest with you. 
Okay. Well, like I say, uh, I think it'd be a fruitless endeavor. I, I think you'd have a an extraordinarily difficult time getting it done if you could. But what benefit you'd get, uh, I I don't think there'd be much. Because okay. you'd still have the BK there. Let me ask you about this. What about the CPN, this other um, uh, credit profile number? Uh, I am aware of that stuff. I've never done anything with it. I really don't know much of anything about it. I'd, I'd be kind of careful with that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, you know, like I, like I say, I, I really don't know anything about it. But uh, that's to me, that's you know, kind of a uh, if you want to call it a, a, a somewhat of a shady process. And depending oh. on what happened, you know, you, you might find yourself having a problem. But I, 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 I can't can't say I've got any information on it or any experience with it. It's so. about instead shifting into a business with the EIN and establishing credit for the business. Does that help, or do you still do you still focus on the individual? Well, usually when you're going to try and establish credit for a business, um, especially a new business that doesn't have any kind of a track record, they're going to look at the uh, credit uh, file of the individual, and then be you know because uh, uh, usually they'll they'll want the uh, individual to act as uh, a uh, security for the uh, business any credit lines a business would have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got it. All right. So, um, that answer your questions for you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, okay. thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the call, and feel free to join us anytime. We're here every Monday night, and then Terry's call is on Thursday night. And in order to in order to join my call, it's not talk show; it's free conferencing, and you will need to uh, send me an email at queensongbird at gmail dot com. And that reminds me, and I didn't even think about it until right now, Dave. But I may not have a call this week because the 31st, I may be physically moving. So um, it all depends on when I can get the keys, and I will know that tomorrow. So if there won't be a call on Thursday, I will email everybody out. Um, You know, I, I may have it, but I won't know for sure until tomorrow. Okay. Could I oh. add my my name to your email list? Yeah, you have to send me an email at queensongbird at gmail dot com and just say add me to the list. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, and uh, Wireman on the uh, uh, chat board here said uh, put a note in here that uh, you can get secured credit cards, Capital One, and Discover. And there's others out there too. If you just if you Google secured credit cards or secured cards, you'll find all sorts of information out there. All right, we are going to go to 
Connecticut. You are unmuted. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, Dave? Yes, I am. Dave, how are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, I my phone has been a bit of a challenge, so if it gets a little bumpy, I do apologize in advance. I had a little technical difficulty getting in. I think it it kept referring me to a pin, and every time I put the pin, it says it's being in use, and I just I guess I got lucky and I just pressed one, so I was able to bypass that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, listen, are we are we uh, late for? Well, I got a question, but uh, are we late for good news or? We're never too late for good news. Uh, no, <laughs> we always want to hear good good news and stupid Ex- lawyer moments. Oh, I got a few of those too. Um, well, real quickly, just on, on, on some good news, I guess, <clears throat> let me see. I say uh, probably within the last, I say maybe a little under six months, I've been able to close a few TCPA cases and an FDCPA case. Um, good. One of the TCPA cases was just, just north of fourteen thousand, I had an FCCPA case uh, for eleven thousand, and uh, just oh. in the last two weeks, I was able to close a, a TCPA case, and I gave a bargain discount, really, because it was thirty-one calls, and I ended up closing that one at eight thousand. So, been man, you're you're doing that. really good. Yeah. yeah, man, you are swimming in the box. Yeah, That's yeah, fantastic. yeah. No, I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I. The thing was, and I, I think, you know, I think, I, I don't know if you're here with me, uh, because of all the stuff that was going on with the uh, the TCPA cases with regards to them transferring them into those consolidated cases. The MDLs? Yeah. I yeah. just had a whole yeah, I'm, bunch of I'm cases. stuck in an MDL, have been for four years. Look at that. Look at that. And it just so happened that I had so many, um, you know, I had so many violators then I had to yep. round them up, and uh, and that's actually what I got going on now. I, I, I had to round up 10 because I was running with statute of limitations issues. Right. You see? Right. And, that's uh, why I had to finally file against Portfolio because I had I got 72 calls from them, but I had to file to capture the statute of limitations. Boy, you're luckier, man. They, they, slipped, they slipped right through my fingers, man. I had oh, 18 man. calls from them, and like I said, I had a balance between, you know, uh, you know how much you can kind of handle, so to speak, in one case, and you know, oh, yeah. like I said, I, you know, I, so you kind of, kind of, you know, balance a few of those, but, um, so yeah, so so uh, so that was good news, and also another good news, actually, I didn't mention, I, I have a, a powers of attorney for uh, a few of my family members, and uh, uh, <laughs> I had a, a a debt collector who, you know, these debt collectors that have bar cards. So they had, they, yeah. they had sent they had sent my mom a, a bill. Uh, this is a real short story too. They sent her a bill for I think it was uh, fourteen hundred and fourteen dollars. Um, and skipping a lot of chapters, uh, within I think it was about forty five days, uh, they ended up cutting her a check for seventy five hundred. So oh, good, you know. So she well, was pretty happy. I've got a she, question for you. Yeah. How did you turn an FDCPA case into that much money? Oh, that's a very, very – I was actually going to go ahead and get a little bit – I'll probably get a little bit into that in uh, one of the uh, calls in the membership area, which I'm going to go ahead and eyeball again the uh, uh, Jesse's membership there. That actually had to do with actual damages, um, ah. and it had to do – yeah, it had to do with a uh, – uh, I always call them debt collection cases where – we have our, our kind of uh, our usual suspects 
that branched from the lineage of the countrywide and things of that sort. So long story short, there was a debt collector at the end of there who was attempting to collect, and they were, I mean, these guys were gung-ho that they were servicers and uh, no doubt about it. Um, long story short, again, I was able to basically get an actual damage, and, and incidentally, they never knew that the actual documents, which they don't know that I have, incidentally, uh, the, the underlying so-called mortgage was canceled in 2007. Oh, jeez. So, so, so I figured, well, wait a minute. These guys, knowing, and, and you guys made a comment earlier that I was laughing over here about judges and stuff like that. Most of consumers aren't really prepared to deal with the folk that we're dealing with. And these, these people, they commit about three felonies before breakfast. I mean, yeah, yeah, just, before, <laughs> before yeah. breakfast. Coffee, are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys wake up with, with that, you know, that kind of mindset. And normally people are not used to dealing with these, you know, type of uh, entities like that. These guys are uh, pathological, you know. So, mm-hmm. but, but I was able to trip up this, this one um, entity, and uh, they went ahead and they, they went forward. So, uh, so right now I have, I'm just waiting in the bits. I, I probably will file this one down in FLA um, because it's got some good stuff. I mean, these guys pulled 28 times. They pulled the consumer report while in litigation. Oh, my times. God. Okay. Oh my you God. talk about felon misconduct. 28 times oh. the so-called debt is already documented as going through five consent orders, okay, and then the magic, the finishing touch, the finishing touch, this is over and through uh, verification responses, 623 investigations through the, uh, you know, through the CRAs, and having the item disputed. I mean, not only disputed, but removed, and then put back again. Oh, my God. And then, Boy, and they, then they the finishing touch. Them up, didn't you'll, they? you'll like this one. You'll like this one. The finishing touch, the finishing touch was that a, uh, and I brought this to the judge's attention, but unfortunately, I stood about a he stood about as straight as a Twizzler, unfortunately. That's just the draw that I had. But uh, the gentle lady who, quote, unquote, effectuated the instrument in the uh, town hall, uh, she was soon right after. I mean, it was probably just the same day. Uh, she, she was taken by the authorities in California for, uh, for committing, no, this is, I kid you not, committed nine felonies, eight of which were forgery. Oh my God! Okay, so <laughs> wow. yeah, so you believe that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all one debt. This is all one debt. Okay, so oh my God! Yeah, yeah, and that actually that stuff is still is still live because there was a, an agreement, and part of that agreement was the judge finally told him, "Hey, listen, I you know without saying it as much, but he said, listen, guys, I'm kind of bailing you out because I, I nabbed about 18 attorneys. I just rounded them all up, and uh, you know, judge was kind of he was coming in on him and saying, listen, okay, let's, let's forget about collecting debts and, and all this other stuff. So we ended up coming to an agreement, and lo and behold, Terry, <laughs> Jeff, I mean, uh, right, within 30 days, the same entity passed it on to another debt collector, and they started collecting. Oh, oh okay. are you determined so, so, to just hand you over the bank. So so now not only not only do I have okay not only do I have the 
the disputes, the cease and desist, which also I, I'll make a comment about it in a little bit, but the, the cease and desist, the uh, request for verification validation, there's a United States federal judge to basically say, okay, guys, listen, I think enough is enough. This is the agreement, uh, you know, uh, retire this thing. Um, and as part of the condition, everything, you guys, you know, you dissolve everything and everybody just get out of my court. So you got a United States judge basically said that the debt was dead. And sure enough, that entity went ahead and passed it on, you know, to another entity. Oh, after a court Ooh. told them to knock it off. A after a court told them not, okay. And, okay, it has been already now uh, 11, 10 months. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be 12 months. So the statute of limitations from the first communication under the FDCPA kicks in in July. But they have been reporting that as a delinquent debt, okay, for over $221,000 in, in four consumer reports, including the Novus. Ooh. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, these guys, there's no shame here. There's, there's just no well, shame. Well, no, but they're oh damn determined to to their purse strings. Are you kidding me? Listen, the, the representation in court, I mean, these guys come in, because I've been to federal court, you know. I, these guys come in as rosy cheek altar boys. Oh, we can't do no wrong. Our client is clean as a whistle. I mean, yeah, it's just, sure. uh, you know, it's the same song. It's the same song. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that was the FDCPA. We ended up, I ended up, uh, uh, like I said, just recovering uh, $11,000 in, in anticipation that they're going to violate. So now, they have, you know, because of conditions of of, of settlements and, and and things of that sort, they basically breached on on their end to, to the stop whole thing, Yeah, yeah, they stopped collecting. So now they're going to come in, and <laughs> so I have a few ideas for that one. And I might just go ahead and, and get a, a an attorney to, because one thing I can't do obviously is you walk that fine line. There's two of us as co-plaintiffs, um, which kind of handicapped me before. You know, you you, you can't obviously represent another person. Yeah, you can't anything. represent somebody yeah. else. Right. Absolutely. So I might nor just get can a, a, you, Nor can you be absolutely sure that the other someone else is as competent as you are as a That's person. right. Right. Yeah, that, that's right. And that's actually, believe me, that's actually what kind of uh, held my, you know, kind of pinned me down a little bit uh, mm -hmm. before. You know what I mean? So, um, well, sure. no, we understand exactly what you're saying. And if I, you know, honestly, if I were in your shoes, I would do exactly that with this case, this one coming up. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the right attorney could really take them to. Oh yeah. The Woodhouse. Oh, well, think yeah. about it. You, you got a debt. You got a debt that is alleged to be secured that they don't know. Is already been essentially discharged, if you will. What for, state are you in? Uh, I'm in Connecticut, but since it's a federal case and one of the plaintiffs is in Florida, I'm going to be probably looking for an aggressive bar that goes in for you know. Obviously, FCRA has punitive damages, so um, I'll be looking for some uh, probably a, an aggressive uh, team, you know, to represent uh -huh. her in the case. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh, obviously, since communications are directed towards me, because I made a little case law out of that one, I was coming in, the judge was extremely comfortable because I was coming in under 1692CB, which is basically as an agent or administrator. And I also had some uh, calls that were directed towards me. So I had to do pretty much, uh, you know, I, I had to be pretty creative. Let's just put it that way, because 
normally, even though you file these things under a federal question, quietly, very, very quietly, these judges pretty much enforce these as if you brought under diversity. So they start, you know, more often than not, uh, as our former friend, I think in one of his books, uh, the late Judge Scalia, he said, always cautious, always uh, command the semantical terrains, you see? So these guys have basically used first-party language. Then you had, you know, your attorneys going in there and effectively, uh, you know, making statements of fact or trying to make statements of fact. Long story short, you know, they were successful in that, and then the judges, you know, going in there and allowing, like I mentioned, absconded documents, you know, essentially effectuated by nightcount felons, you know, to be in there. You know, so it got real hairy and, and all that stuff. But uh, But like I said, the good news about that is that uh, I know these felons, these guys are just going to continue to go on, you know, because primarily they think that they're just impervious to anything else and they're just going to move on forward, you know, because that's just business as usual, you see. Well, yeah, you know? that's that's their modus operandi. They, you know, they don't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure enough, sure enough. Um, but, yeah, but listen, I, I had a, before, before some other stuff, I had a, a kind of a few... Question. I was going to kind of pick your brain a little bit, uh, Dave. Uh, these are kind of more softballs. Um, the first one, real quickly, just is, is kind of just more of an organizational thing. I don't know if you or, or maybe Terry or if John is on the phone, if you guys have any kind of uh, recommendation as to, like, case management software, particularly what, something that you don't have to – I'm not interested in renting something every month to month. I know I've seen a bunch of attorney ones that they go through it, but you got to pay, like, $60, $80 a month or something like that. I was thinking if there was anyone that comes to mind that you guys would be familiar with, like in terms of just case management software or something of that sort. For organizational I, yeah, I, I don't utilize anything like that. I'm not really familiar with it, to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to um, be any help there at all. One of uh, uh, Kirby sent me a, a link to a law firm that, that uh, may be very helpful to you in your okay. future endeavor. If you, uh, send me an email. Okay, very and, well. It'll come from Profiler. It'll just say Profiler. Okay, then I'll send you the link. I will say, I wouldn't send this particular law firm to some one of our newbies because right. these guys, um, sharks, sharks, but they're, you know, you are savvy enough to mm-hmm. stay ahead with them. You right. See, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I'll I'll send you that link. Okay. Very good. It'll again again it'll it'll come from profiler. You'll see profiler on that. Okay. I'll send it to you uh, tonight. Um, very good. I appreciate that. Wow. He sent um, me two of them. There's two different ones, and so I'll I'll send them both. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Kirby. Um. Real quickly, okay, I guess the softball question. I guess, Dave, the, the, there's a situation I'm looking at here. I got a multi-plaintiff suit. This is a TCPA case. Um, it's a procedural case. Bullet point has to do with defective service. I essentially assigned someone to go ahead and, and uh, do process or obviously, you know, effectuate process, rather. And it was ineffective. ineffective. <laughs> In other words, uh, it wasn't. It was sent by mail, and I didn't give him one of the uh, waiver of service 
nor was it directed specifically to upper management, which I think is a you know limited liability company. You have to make yeah, sure you you've you got know. to have an officer of the company be served. Right, it, it can't just go to the mailroom. Right, right. So so essentially, six of them. One of them actually tapped out. Uh, that's what the one I just mentioned. They just tapped out for, you know, uh, seventy five hundred. I got six more in there, um, two of which have not yet uh, put an appearance. But I guess the question here is, how would you die? Basically, one of them came back. One of the respondents came back with a twelve b four, twelve b five, essentially an effective service. Um, but also, two of the ones who did answer, I didn't mean a 12B6 at all, um, but they came back in the affirmative uh, defenses with defective, you know, service. So I want to kind of just say, well, listen, I, I got to nick this thing in the butt anyway. So I'm thinking maybe filing an amendment. I just got, I picked up, I browsed the, uh, the O'Connell, the federal O'Connell books there, and I was just going to see if you had any thoughts, maybe, um, uh, request and leave of just putting an amended uh, uh, claim in there, amended uh, complaint, so to speak. Um, but I just want to know if you had any thoughts with that, well, coming back well, with something like that. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Now, where are you in in the time frame from when you filed a case? Because you've got 90 days to get people served. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I make that time. Yeah, I make that time. This was filed yeah, oh, last oh. month. Well, okay, but what I'm what I'm saying is, when did you file the complaint? Yeah, this was filed March 23rd. Okay, so April, May, so you you still got almost 30 days. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't you? You know, if you're having issues with that, why can't you use a regular process server to uh, make sure you get proper service? You know, if if they're putting this stuff in there, then turn around and properly serve them. And that's going right. to negate their their uh, motion because I actually uh, went through that with uh, somebody years back. It was early on when we started litigating. I'm thinking it was like either 11 or 12, 2012. Um, and they they were uh, I had an I had an attorney that was being a real you know pain in the butt. Um, mm-hmm. They paid me eventually, but they they argued service. So. I just went. I just went back and uh, reserved them, and then my opposition to their motion uh, for uh, to dismiss, you know, for improper service. I, I told the court, okay, you know, here they. I, I reserved them. They've been served properly under FRCP, and uh, here's the proof of it. And that was the end of it. Case moved right. forward. Okay. Okay. Because but I, I you, you just got you just got to keep in mind that you know that you need to effect proper service on them within 90 days of your filing of the complaint. So you know whatever whatever date that was, you know you're out till what like June 23rd, roughly give or take. Uh, you've got until then to effect proper service on them. Right. So you're saying, so you're thinking that even if I don't know, even if I don't, and I don't know if I don't think I need leave here per se. I know some of them might. I know there's, you know, not as necessarily as a matter of course, but in looking at the uh, scheduling order, um, the last time I could amend for court order was, is uh, June, I believe it's June 23rd or something to that effect. Well, why, and, why are you thinking you'd want to amend 
Right. Well, that's why that you know, like I said, I haven't taken this snapshot here before, so I, I was figuring. Well, the idea that I had, the reason for this, Dave, was because, like I had mentioned to you, I have, I've just been blistered with with phone calls. You know, I've had two phones now uh, for four years, and I guess in the aggregate of those years, I, I mean, I'm certain with something like 900 calls, right? Oh, but since but since I was tied down, you know, in, yeah, in these yeah. FDCPA cases, I'm trying to negotiate between, well, listen, Nelson, how many versus, and then like you had just mentioned, you know, this, uh, there's been, I guess, a fanfare among debt collectors because of that D.C. ruling, uh, the right. FDA ruling. So, you know, I guess they're walking up chest to chin, like if, you know, they got, oh, yeah. you know, some yeah. type Oh, of well, you know, TCPA, you know, you, <laughs> they, you, you, you know we don't use auto dialers now. Right. Well, that's the story. Oh, yeah. right? None, nobody uses island diners. Everybody's got your consent. And I think one of them may even hinted. Yeah, and all the calls working. were manually dialed. That's why right. I answered 50 times and there was nobody there. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they'll stare you in the face and just, you know, they'll look at yeah, you. They don't it's, know it's all part of the argument. Everything yeah. here is clean. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, but, but still, uh, I mean, I don't understand why. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, that because. Uh, let me ask you a question. I apologize. Yeah, because I was still considering in this case adding another defendant now that one has, you know, got out. And I, like I said, I'm ginger because they're just, I mean, one is 16 calls that I could put in. And these are just your locals, you know, your 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 EOCA, what's it, EOSCCA. EOSCCA. Yeah. Yeah, I've got half a dozen calls from them. I need to go after them on. Right. So I'm thinking, man, should I just – if if I use this opportunity now to amend, if I can add them there, yeah, or, or I, you see what I'm saying? That's why. That's I'll just balancing that out. Yeah, I I I think I don't think I would go into doing the amended on that. I think I'd probably keep it separate. I'm just speaking what I would do personally. Sure, sure, sure. sure, um, sure. I think sure. I would just you know if somebody's arguing proper service, uh, just get out there. And make sure you, you know, if you got to do a process server to to get it done, you know, get her done. But make sure you get that done within 90 days, and then your uh, opposition to their motions to, you know, uh, halt things because for ineffective service or improper service or no service, whatever their arguments are, you know, you're you're going to have proof of proper service, and that's going to basically negate those. And then you go forward. I don't. I don't right. think I'd try and sneak a, a another one in. Uh, to me, that'd be <laughs> just a little too confusing in, in one. Yeah, case. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like I said, I was reticent to do it, and I kind of just said it at wow. Listen, I, you know. Yeah. You put them um, in. Have you have you got plenty of time on statute of limitations on that other one? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, yeah. I, I well in total, I got about eight more. Like I said, I'm certain with almost. Oh, a okay. Well, then you so then you got plenty I, of time. I literally yeah. cut. I even got some jokers calling me, you know, the day before yesterday, <clears throat> diversified. But, you know. Oh, so Good old diversified. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. checking so, clear but, the bank. I know that. Well, I, I imagine it does. I imagine oh, it they does. Oh, they do. They <laughs> do. Especially yeah. when they're – and even when they're in five figures. <laughs> Look at that. I haven't been the donkey's tail on them yet, Dave. But, uh, but, yeah, no, no, to your point, to your point, I was actually – refraining myself or rather restraining myself from just dumping them, you know, bringing everybody to the same party. So I was like, okay, well, you know what, let me just go ahead and, and, and get these guys, 
and see, you know, what amounts to it. So, okay, so, yeah. so I, I understand you clearly then, then just go ahead and essentially effectuate service on them. And just yeah, just make sure you get those ones that are arguing it where there's any question whatsoever about service. Um, right. You know, make sure so you, you got good service on them. And then right. that, that's just I'm all, sorry. you know, old history. That way you don't have to worry about it. Right. So even if they went ahead and answered and, and, and put that as an affirmative defense, you would just go ahead and service, basically serve them again and not necessarily, you know, go to the core for, well, you know. Well, do you, do you know for sure that you got proper service on them? Did you have evidence that you absolutely, without question, got proper service? Well, that's just it. No, that's just it, Dave, because it was it was a friend who did it per federal rule. I think they only have to be 18 and a disinterested party. Right. But they have like to be I at least said, 18, a disinterested mm-hmm. party. Right. Right, right. So, so like I said, I would rather hedge on the safe, the caution side if they're putting it in an affirmative defense as opposed to, you know, answering the petition and, and going ahead. I'm figuring, well, I might as well stick everything in the bud now and just, you know, deal with that, which obviously the court, you know. Well, well, what you do is, you you, you know, if, if you just go through and make sure you got good service on them, you, you're just pulling that off the table. So, the, you know, that's uh, – uh, not a valid argument for them because you know if that is a potentially valid argument i mean that can kill your case right there because you, you right. know as well as i do if mm-hmm. you don't have uh, proof of that's good service right yeah yeah that's yeah. that's can very quickly put an end to your case right 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 okay all right so i, I kind of got a, an idea there um i guess uh, the the second procedural question is one of the parties is essentially put in it's a uh, it's a it's a pizza shop you know I'm trying to work with the guy. He says, why you see him? You know, he's trying to be funny because I, I'm trying to, you know, mitigate before, you know, before filing. And, right, uh, right. He's asking me, why do you sue me? I said, well, he tried to get funny with me. I got funny with him back. I said, well, I can use the dough. That's why. I got a claim on here. <laughs> and, and so he's looking at me like, so anyway, long story short. So he, he comes in and he files a motion to dismiss, which is a problem because he's a, they're, they're a company. <laughs> so... He didn't enter an appearance, and he just filed the, you know, filed the motion right. to dismiss. Um, without... Is it a sole proprietorship or is it a corporation? That's a great, great question. Um, See, if it's to... a sole proprietorship, he can represent a sole proprietorship because it's, you know, uh, Joe Blow DBA uh, Joe's Pizza. Right. That's okay. That's a, but if it's an LLC or any kind of a fictional entity, an LLC, corporation, or whatever, they have mm-hmm. to hire a lawyer. Very good, very good. That's an excellent distinction. I have to double check on that um, because that could be the case. That could be the case. But nonetheless, he didn't file, he didn't enter an appearance. He didn't, you know. Oh, they well, don't have to. Yeah, if 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 it's a you know Joe Blow DBA doing business as Joe's Pizza, he doesn't mm-hmm. have to file an appearance. Right. His appearance is that motion to dismiss. Right. Gotcha. That's gotcha. His, that's gotcha. his responsive pleading, as it's known. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah, that's a good distinction because I I have to double check on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just find out what what kind of uh, uh, entity it is right. uh, that operates the business, whether it's a sole proprietorship or whether it's you know uh, they've got a, a an LLC or whatever. Because if it's an LLC or uh, you know Joe's Pizza Inc. Uh, or Joe's Pizza LLC or whatever. They have to uh, hire an attorney. Right. 
Right. Well, I mean, he, he pretty much put a one-page letter in there effective, effectively admitting the entire case. But he said, yeah, he says, well, you know, he tried to tell me to stop and we, you know, we didn't really get any do not call us. And, you know, we we're just talking about. Oh, my God. And, yeah. You know, and I mean, he pretty much put his, you know, his own foot in his mouth. Yeah. How many, how many calls you got? How many? Are, oh, man. With him, you know what? I'm going to tell you. And I'm being a nice guy, man. I'll tell you, Dave. With him, I think I could shut the pizza shop down. Forget about the extra sauce because he's got over like 65. I can catch him under B3, and I don't know if you litigate both B3 and C5. You know, basically, oh. you got automation on one, and they're text. You know, oh, okay. to, yeah. you know, you know. Right. So, well, so, under under B, it's the uh, 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 auto dialer, and right. And C5 if it's, is if it's uh, under C5, that's telemarketing. Yeah, got them in both, basically. Ouch. Yeah. Now, you keep in mind, and, and I want to make this distinction. I don't know if you know it, uh, but I want to yeah, make sure it's out here. Under Section B, it's 500 or mm-hmm. potentially 1,500 for knowing and willful. It can be trebled. Right. But under C5, under the telemarketing side, up it's to. up to 500. Right. It's not Absolutely. an automatic 500 like it is under Section B. It's up mm-hmm. to 500, and it can be trebled. So, and I believe, so if you get in a situation yeah. where you have to choose, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Well, right. you, you well, can do both. You can get them on both. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can't. I can't. Well, he has over 60. Like, it's like, I think, six, at 66, 67, and I only put in, um, I think it was like, 30-something, you know, like I said, I was trying to, you know, talk with the guy and just be reason with him, and, you know, at this point, I would just take corporate credit and a nice check for, you know, uh, $5,000. Like I said, it's really good pizza. So I'm like, well, you know, let's, we can work on something, but I guess the guy... I'll, I'll, I'll make you a deal. You pay me exactly. 5000 you know, I could actually sock you for about $80,000. Give me five mm-hmm. grand right. and a pizza a and week a for account. the next year, and I'm and good to can, go. And you can keep yeah. your pizza shop. <laughs> exactly. You know, but, you know, and that's, uh, you know, they, you, you, my reasoning is simple. I was talking to a friend of mine. The reason is simple. Who's giving you breaks out there? You know, if you're, if you're any so-called credit or, or any enterprise or any entity that's out there, you know, if you owe $26.12, guess the bill that you're getting, $26.12. So all right. these enterprises, you're basically on the meter for everything virtually. You know, they're well, sure. metered everywhere. So, you know, I say, hey, listen, you know, I guess two can play, you know, two can play at that game. So, but yeah, okay, so so I got that. And let me ask you, Dave, you generally speaking, do you, in, in your enforcement under the TCPA, do you go in um, with your, your, your state UDAPs at all? No. Um, or no? No, no, no. I just, I just go straight in with the TCPA. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I realize, I, I, I realize now the, the other way, I guess, for those folks who are who are listening, who are thinking about it, when you bring in that, you bring in equitable considerations. Because I put it, you know, there's punitive damage and equitable relief there. So all of a sudden, you're looking at, you know, other defenses as affirmative well, defenses. Well, yeah, but the other damage. thing is, what you're doing is you're adding a lot of money into it, and you're you're much more likely to get a bigger fight out of it too. Right, right, right. So okay. you know, you got to okay. weigh things. So you don't, you don't uh, that, that my view is, hey, you know, it, it's clear cut here. You know, if I've got because I won't bring a TCPA suit unless I got good evidence. All right. 
Mm-hmm. So if I've got good evidence, hey, you know, uh, cut me a check. I'm out of here. Right. But if you try and and go for uh, too much, you can run into, whoa, man, there's a lot at stake here. This guy's trying to kill us. Uh, right. You know, we're going to go out and uh, we got a lot to lose here, so we're going to go out and and find a, a good attorney, and and then and then you can have a real battle on your hands rather right. than a check. Right, right. I mean, you well, may get a check in the end, but mm-hmm. you may end up having to do an awful lot of work to get it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess my idea was just uh, to bring in, I guess, the injunctive relief for a permanent injunction, you know, for enjoining them from stopping to do that. But I guess, like I said, because of that. You know, I'm I'm not going to try and save the world by dealing, trying to deal with the injunctive relief. I like that Um, philosophy, man. (laughs) You know, it's uh, these people know what they're doing is wrong. Right. And they violated my rights. Okay, I'm going to stand up for my rights. Uh, you know, it's I, I, there, there are certain things, certain times that you may want to go after injunctive relief, you know, if, if there's something big enough. But right. generally, you know, like tying in with a TCPA or something like that, no, I don't do any of that. I mean, but, that, you know, that's just my personal, you know, sure. preference. Sure, sure, I sure, try sure, and keep sure. it pretty clean. Right, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I understand completely. Like I said, I just put that in there just on the on the UDAS. I know here, uh, like, that, there's other places, but uh, here there's there's a finder's fee through the uh, attorney generals. I think it's a 15% cut under under uh, the state equivalent of... Oh, really? Of mini, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the mini yeah. CCPA. Yeah, well, there's, so they, there's, uh, there's pretty good incentive there, then. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. give you a nice, but that's the finder's fee for them in, in terms of uh, if they successfully, you know, litigate, um, you know, you just give them a referral, and then on the back end, you get the cut, so. Oh, well, that's it, that's not bad at all. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what Take I'm Take those thinking. when you can get them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, listen, I, I think you guys assist me. I have two two things. I think um, you, we were talking a little bit earlier about the, uh, and I, I just wanted, I guess, uh, contribute to the community. Um, I've been pretty successful with the FDCPA primarily because of the validation notice. And I, I draw a distinction because the, the notice, the, the so-called initial notice, I noticed that a lot of attorneys, when you're bringing the, uh, the proponent, if you will, of, you know, 1692GA to GB, you know, and you're, you're kind of getting into, you know, sending out a uh, – verification slash validation, and, and even invoking E8 at dispute through the FDCPA, a lot of attorneys will argue that you didn't plead it was an initial communication. Um, what I have found is I follow up an initial communication, okay, and preferably if it's with a so-called, you know, uh, a debt collector with a bar card, you know, that's even, it's much, much better. It's much cleaner because the validation notice, which essentially has to have six disclosures, five of the, the ones that are found in GB, excuse me, GA, uh, GA 1 through 5, and also E11's, you know, uh, Miranda, the entire Miranda, right. the mini Miranda. So what I have found, Dave, is because that particular notice, the validation notice, 
you're not going to get a, a, quote, argument with regards to materiality, not in subsection G, okay? They, they're going to argue that in subsection E, meaning it has to be a material. Then basically that just tells the judge, listen, you got discretion to, you know, get these people out of your court, basically. But when you get back to these guys and you point out deficiencies um, in the language of the validation notice itself, so what I mean by that, let me qualify that. If I'm getting a validation notice from a bar card carrying debt collector and they're using, let's say, GA3, where if you dispute the debt, you know, within, you know, 30 days, uh, you know, our, our law firm will. Well, right there, you violate it. And the reason you violate it, because you interpose your identity under state law. We have to be ensured that that is by a debt collector. And actually, the last, the last law firm paid me on, on, on just that one. But another thing that I think uh, somebody could find interesting is if you move, in, in other words, to bypass, and I think a validation notice, the initial notice is very, very easy. If you audit that, it's easy to catch a violation there. But if you follow that up, okay, I know we talk about sending out a validation notice um, but if you follow that up with under 1692CC with a, a cease and desist and you stipulate that if they do contact you that one more time, okay, because they have to contact you back for, with a specified remedy to either advise you or notify you or say, hey, listen, we're just going to stop, we're going to cease. But if you stipulate that, hey, listen, if you do contact me this one more time, then send me verification contemporaneously with that next letter. And boy, you get them there. And you get them because they have to really clearly identify that, hey, listen, this is in response to that, to your cease and desist, and this is our uh, verification validation um, in response to, you know, satisfying 1692 GB. For the purposes of GB, and of course you know, they won't send the, the no. validation. No, they won't send the validation. But here's one one thing that's really interesting too, though, is because what also it does is it 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 triggers, meaning the dispute triggers E8. Okay, so then you can tag that and obviously look E8 bleeds right into the uh, your you know your FCRA, right? It goes right into that. So in other words. I have found that if you move under C, and the only, the only time I caution that is if you're getting a collector calling you, you might want to go to Texas, obviously, like you know, Dave, and, and look up uh, in the ADAT and see if, they, if they're registered over there. Yeah. Because then, yeah, then they might just be calling you more, and I might just set aside the uh, FPCPA and see if, you know, these uh, uh, goons are going to be calling you on your cell phone. You see let it mean? call, let it call, let it call. <laughs> let it rain, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so that's just another thing. And then that one more thing, real quickly too. I think uh, you had just mentioned about adding trade lines. There's another cool little quote trick that increases, I guess, your credit attractiveness, and it's pretty simple too. And that is just establishing um, some type of uh, residence, if you will, um, just in a in an opulent zip code. 
<laughs> that metric right there spikes up your yeah, score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, you know that's that's very true because uh, they all they, that's yeah. taken into account. Yeah, yeah. What they do is they 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 aggregate the uh, you know the the, the uh, household income of that community, mm-hmm. and then what you're essentially doing is just with that one thing you're bumping up your you're bumping up your score just because they're using whatever heuristic models that they're using to say, okay, well, if they're living here, this is how we're tagging that, you see? So, right. Uh, oh, yeah. If this guy lives here, then he's got to be making pretty good money. Right, right. right. So, so he's going to be in a higher income bracket. Yeah, yeah. So that's how these guys work. Um, but uh, but anyway, listen, I uh, I appreciate it. I've been on the phone a little too much here, man. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I haven't been on the phone for quite some time. Um, love picking your brain apart, though. Well, I, and, and it's been uh, really uh, good to hear about what you've been doing, the success you've been having. Obviously, you're real sharp. You're aggressive. Uh, you're going after them and, and making them accountable, and that's what this is all about. Absolutely. It really is. It's just and making them accountable for their I have one. I have one more thing. I won't plead it. It's not a cliffhanger. I won't tease you, but I'll tell you what. I'll give you the first tips on it, Dave. I'm working on one, one thing right now. Okay, here's the term. Okay, this is not, and I mean, I don't have Westlaw, I don't shepherdize cases, really. But I don't think this has been put out there just yet. Okay, but the term here is stacking, stacking communication. So this is what I'm working on. I'm looking at a bunch of text here. Um, it's FDCPA-based, okay, but this thing right here could fire a kill shot. And I'm preparing it right now. I, I don't really want to quote, off quote, argue it. Um, in the context of foreclosure because of the reasons that you just mentioned. Uh, you know, m- a lot of these uh, administrators, these judges, uh, they're vested, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, yeah, and know I'm going to you, you know, tell you something that's really, really disgusting real, real quickly. I'll, I'll make this very, very brief. And this might not just be in this state, okay? It's real disgusting, but here it is. You have small claims courts, okay? These small claim courts, the language, let's just say here, okay, says that who, who can adjudicate, more often than not, the least sophisticated consumer goes in there thinking that, well, we have a judge here and they're getting ready to kind of hear sides. Now, this is the small claims, right? Most of that, uh-huh. in different states, it'll differ. Here it's 5,000. Let's just say no more than 5,000. But what you'll find out is the term here is a judge or a commissioner. Well, when you look up commissioner, you figure out, well, a commissioner can be an attorney, right? Then when you look at the attorney's practice, you might just find out that some of these attorneys, okay, are actually connected to debt collection. Now, how does that sound? You're going in into these small claim courts, and the person who's supposedly sitting there litigating things. Supposed uh, to be an, supposed uh, to be a, a uh, neutral yes. arbiter a of neutral the controversy arbiter. is actually right. biased and employed on one side. Right, and has uh, indeed might have a very quiet trust or may have a very quiet connection to the debt collection industry. Wow, right. how about that? Yeah, right. Many of them do. I yeah, agree absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's just one of those things that it's, I mean, it's deplorable. And uh, this is just some of the stuff that we deal with. Like I said, these guys, 
I'm talking about three fellas before breakfast. But anyway, guys, hey, listen, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate your time. And uh, God bless everyone on the line with life. Hey, thank you. Appreciate all the information and the input. And, uh, you know, keep us informed. Let us know how you're doing down the line. And, you know, you you may not do it often, but Mm -hmm. we really appreciate the wealth of information that you share for all of the other members because it helps them as well. Right. Absolutely. I'll I'll also make it my business, um, Terry, I know that you sponsor calls too, uh, to make it uh, here and there on your call. And like I, I write that write that term down stacking because I think it's going to be pretty powerful. But I'm the type who likes to go on the field and prove it to myself first, and then go ahead. Well, and we do it, too. You know. We don't we don't like to uh, disseminate information that we don't have experience with ourselves and know what works and what doesn't. Absolutely, the philosophy is simple. Well done is better than well said. Very good. Uh, I appreciate I you guys you. again. Okay, bye for now. All righty. Thanks a lot. All right. We got one more caller with a hand up, and we're going to go to Eastern Maryland. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Hi, Dave. This is going to be extremely quick. Um, I'm putting together my damages for my my FDCPA claim, and I want to know, um, is there a way to put down um, what lies in your debt and my membership fees? <laughs> Uh, I doubt it. Okay, I was wondering because <clears throat> private group and yeah, that's that's you know right. Well, we're not an organized group. We don't have a name. We don't <laughs> want one. Right. Because and this is always you can become my, a target. Yeah, it's always been my philosophy. If you don't name it, they can't target it. They don't know who to shoot those arrows at. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're a loose knit educational. Uh, group. A gathering is what we are. And every week, whether it's Dave's call, Jesse's on Tuesday, or mine on Thursday, it it may be a whole different group of people on all three yeah. nights. Yeah, and we, and we never know who all is on the call. No. I keep an email list, but I do not keep a list of names associated with those emails. So with, except for a handful of people that I know personally and, you know, have communicated with for years. You know, I may know, I may recognize their email address and know who they are, but the, for the rest of you, thousands of people, I have no clue who they are. I just keep an email list. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, in answer to your question, that, that's not going to be anything that you could use. So I won't be able to use these fees? No. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Hey, it's worth asking. Well, yeah. You're thinking outside the box already. That's a, that's good. Right, yeah. If in doubt, ask the question. You know, may okay. not get the answer you'd really like to have, but at least you get an answer. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Okay, thank you. All righty, you're very welcome. Uh-huh. I think she's the first one that thought of that. <sighs> yeah. I yeah. wish it did work. Yeah, well... Uh, there'd probably be plenty of people that uh, could uh, get a whole lot of money for uh, the memberships they've paid through the years that have, you know, gone after people if it could. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's not a legitimate. It's not a business expense. You know, when when you're in business, yeah, uh, educational materials can be a write-off. 
Yeah, that's true, but we're not. So it but is. this isn't, no, you know, in no way, shape, or form do you even want to begin to think about this as a business because... That's how they connect you to the that, false claims of uh, that, practicing law without a license. Well, that uh, can connect you to all sorts of things that you don't want to be connected with, accusations and stuff. It's exactly. just we're, we're here to, uh, to learn. We're here to... Uh, communicate with each other and come together as a community and learn how to stand up for our own individual rights and utilize the the courts in a proper manner to do so. That's that's it in a nutshell. Well, you know what? I think it's that time. I don't have any other hands up in the queue, and it's uh, right about the top of the hour, so we're going to go ahead and wrap things up tonight. Uh, John didn't make it in with us tonight. Uh, I'm sure he probably had some plans with his uh, beautiful wife to do some things this uh, holiday. Uh, Terry, thank you for joining me tonight, and uh, thanks to everybody else who joined us. There is a call tomorrow night on Blog Talk Radio. And as Terry said earlier, she she may or may not have phone service. She'll know more about it. Uh, whether she'll be able to do her call Thursday night. And if she is not able to do so, she will send out an email and communicate to everybody and let everybody know that. Yeah. Um, as, and as for tonight, I'm real happy I'm um, in this three-level house built way up high because all during your call I've been seeing it flash across the screen. Major flash flood watch for my area. So yeah. I'm staying indoors, not going yep. anywhere. Yep. Yep. Lots of, lots of water going to be coming down the creek. And it's <laughs> not just, it's, it's uh, God, dozens of counties, uh, you know, not just Cherokee yeah. uh, in North Carolina, but all these northern um, Georgia counties and Polk County of Tennessee were all under that. Yeah. 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 That uh, tropical storm. Really kicked up, uh, got a lot more intense than they thought it was going to a so few days I may, ago. I may not have power tomorrow because that's always the first thing to go. Yeah, <laughs> supposed to be big storms tomorrow, so we'll see. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, have a great evening, uh, and uh, look for uh, email to keep your eyes on your email so you know what's going on with Terry's call for Thursday night. But we will be on Blog Talk Radio tomorrow night at eight o'clock Eastern. And we hope you come and join us there. Have a great evening. Good night. Good night, everybody.